1: Welcome to Dragoncast Home of House of the Dragon Gather your small council, send out your ravens and call in your bannermen I'm Hand of the King Jamie East, here to guide you through the insane world of Westeros and beyond Good morning Westeros! Uh, Welcome to Dragoncast, I think this is like something like episode... Twenty-four, not including bonus episodes. I feel like it, well, it. Feels like we've done a lot more. It feels like we've been around forever. Uh, I'm Jamie East, and
3: this is uh, I'm Chris Mandel. <laughs> Always the bridesmaid at these things. <laughs> Thank God. You wouldn't want to be any. You wouldn't be anything else, would you? Any, no. any, any wedding. And in... was there was
1: there ever a successful wedding? Oh, that's a
3: good question. Successful wedding.
1: Um, we had, I suppose you could argue that Rob and... Talisa. Is, yeah, maybe. Which I need
3: to apologise for, by the way. A few weeks ago, I called her Talia. Yeah. Because when you called her Talisa, I thought it sounded like the girl from Endubs, and I thought, that can't be her well, name. Female boss? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I thought that can't be her name, but it is. Um, yeah. Has there been a good, we- a, a happy wedding on Game of Thrones? I mean, well, Sansa. Current, really, as, as
1: things currently stand, uh, House of the Dragon, um,
3: Rhaenyra a, 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 and. Rhaenyra and Daemon, Daemon, Daemon?
1: seem pretty pretty fucking happy. Yeah, yeah.
3: Sansa and Tyrion it was not. It wasn't a, unhappy, it was also unconsummated. Yeah, true. Maybe that's the trick. Maybe the best yeah. ones. Kick your um, hands off each other. So, today we're doing the Purple Wedding. Is that
1: why is as that? Why is it called the Purple Wedding?
3: I think it's because of the wine and also his face goes purple when he dies. Ah. episode uh, is yes. called The Lion and the Rose, but it's and the, Rose. As the Purple Wedding by fans. Okay. Um. Uh, season four, this is our first
1: season four episode. Now, with a bit of controversy. Too. People not complained, but but asked us if we would cover four episodes this season because they were so unhappy with the results of the poll. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you guys chose, uh, just underline that in red pen, you guys chose um, episode two, which we're covering today. Episode yeah. mm, episode eight, which was... Uh, Oh, Watchers watch, on the wall. Watchers on the wall, which is the uh, the big fight in the red Key. No, big fight. Fu- where is it? Is it the?
3: Uh, it's the the castle black. It's at the, fight the castle black in
1: it. Yeah, and uh, the one where Egret um, and Oliver uh, meet each other, and then episode nine, which was um, oh, fucking out. Uh, which episode is that? Viper and the mountain. Oh, the viper. That yeah. Which I mean, I'm looking forward. I am looking forward to all of those. Um, oh, right. but people were cross that we weren't covering um, the finale episode 10 the well
3: children. I, I put this to you do we think there's a case to be made to do four episodes of season four I certainly think there could, there could be what just two for season five season seven might be a one episode <laughs> I mean, um, I'm i open. Yeah, to it. let's
1: let's 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 ask. We'll ask. We'll ask. The your listeners. people can speak
3: to that. my people, and we'll see how that's going to look. I don't see. I don't no. see why not. I mean, also, why I, you know, the episodes that we're covering are great, and it, yeah, there's a feeling of like, oh, we're not even getting into all the well, amazing just, things that happened
1: Yeah. Exactly. Well, i tell you what, let's get into this episode. Uh, before we do that, if you want a quick recap, this will take five minutes or so. Our sister podcast previously on uh, has all of the uh, episodes of Game of Thrones uh, in short, bite-sized, kind of recappy formats. In fact, if you've never looked at it, go on. We don't really update it much anymore because Dragoncast was born and there was no real need for it, but we have. Uh, we cover Game of Thrones. I think there's every episode of Stranger Things. I think there's Succession there. There's... Um, a big Little Lies is there. There's also oh my god. There's um maybe there's Peaky Blinders too. I think a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot of episodes there. It's really helpful if you're kind of dipping in and out, or if you've got a friend that wants to kind of start a series and you know, point them towards that. It's very helpful. Anyway, here we go. Here's previously on with uh, the line in the rose. Roose Bolton arrives at the Dreadfords, the ancestral castle of House Bolton, where Ramsay is holding Theon with his new wife Walda, one of Walder Frey's granddaughters. Ramsay's torture broke Theon's spirit so much he's now Ramsay's servant and has been renamed Reek. Roose scolds Ramsay for castrating Theon as Roose planned to trade him to the Greyjoys in exchange for an important fortification, Moat Cailin. To demonstrate his control over Theon, Ramsay gives him a razor and Theon obediently shaves him, despite Ramsay revealing that Roose killed Robb Stark. Theon confesses he didn't kill Bran and Rickon after all, so Roose orders Locke to find and kill them, suspecting they may have joined Jon Snow at Castle Black. He also commands Ramsay and Theon to retake Moat Cailin, suggesting that he will legitimise Ramsay as his true son if he succeeds. In King's Landing, Jaime feels weakened by the loss of his right hand and worries that people will learn he can't fight as well with his left, so Tyrion gets Bronn to teach Jaime to fight southpaw. Varys tells Tyrion he was seen meeting Shay and that the news will soon reach Tywin. Cersei proves his point. At their wedding breakfast, Marjorie's father, Mace Tyrell, gives them a golden wedding cup, which Joffrey receives pretty graciously by his standards. Tyrion gives them a copy of The Lives of Four Kings, a book about the Targaryen dynasty that is considered essential reading for all rulers. Joffrey is less enthused by this gift. Finally, Tywin gives his grandson the second of the two Valyrian steel swords he had made from ice, Ned Stark's sword. Joffrey is delighted and uses the sword to cut Tyrion's gift in half, naming the blade Widow's Wail. Tyrion tries unsuccessfully to convince Shae to leave for her own safety. Realising he must hurt her feelings to save her life, he lies to her, saying he could never really love a whore. Bronn is asked to take a heartbroken Shay to a Pentos-bound ship. On the beach at Dragonstone, Melisandre burns three people at the stake as a sacrifice. One of the men is Axel Florence, Stannis's brother-in-law. Axel begs his sister, Stannis's wife Solis, to spare him, but she's such a devout follower of the Lord of the Light, she ignores him. At dinner that night, Stannis and Selyse argue about their daughter Shireen, whose face is scarred by greyscale. Greyscale not only disfigures its sufferers, it's almost always fatal, but Shireen is the only known survivor of the disease. Selyse believes her daughter's ailment was a punishment from the Lord of the Light for being stubborn and wants to beat her. Stannis refuses to let this happen, but allows Melisandre to visit her. Beyond the wall, Bran wargs into his direwolf summer and kills a doe. After Meera wakes him, Jojen warns Bran that it's dangerous to spend too much time inside the animals as he risks forgetting what it's like to be human. They stop at a weirwood and Bran has a vision of the Three-Eyed Raven as well as images of the Red Keep covered in snow, his fall at Winterfell and dragons flying over Westeros. A voice tells Bran to, Look for me beneath the tree, north. Back in King's Landing, Joffrey and Margaery are finally married. At the wedding celebrations, Bronn confirms to Tyrion that Shay boarded the ship to Pentos and advises Tyrion to drown his sorrows. Elena gives Sansa her condolences for the deaths of Catelyn and Rob, saying it's especially awful to murder someone at a wedding. Elsewhere, tensions also run high, particularly between Cersei and Brienne, and also Oberyn regarding his sister's rape and murder, noting that Cersei's daughter Marcella currently resides in his hometown of Dawn. Joffrey is in full Machiavellian prat mode and announces a play about the War of the Five Kings with the rulers played by dwarves. Sansa is upset by their depiction of Robb's murder and Loras leaves in anger at the homophobic portrayal of Rendley. Tyrion then insults Joffrey and the king demands his uncle act as his cupbearer. Sansa hands Tyrion Joffrey's golden cup and he pours some wine. As Joffrey eats the traditional wedding pie, he downs the wine and begins to choke. Jamie and Cersei run to Joffrey's side as he collapses and vomits. As Joffrey convulses, the full Sir Dontos approaches Sansa and tells her to follow him if she wants to live. In news that will upset hardly anyone, Joffrey dies in his mother's arms, and Cersei commands the King's Guard to arrest Tyrion for Joffrey's murder. Welcome back, uh, Dragon Castle, me, Jamie East, and Chris Mandel. Okay, um, episode two of uh, season four Lion and Rose. This was, I remember this was only the second episode that I was host of Thronecast for. Right. Um, So it felt like a real big one to get my teeth into. I'm going to kind of like say that one of the downsides of doing the rewatch in the the way that we're doing it, which is, you know, a few episodes here and there, is that, for instance, like, this is only like the second episode we've covered that's had anything Joffrey in it. Yeah. And I remember him being such a huge, you know, he's obviously such a huge part of that era of Thrones that, you know, if you class it into chapters, I guess this is kind of chapter two. Um, mm. And he was like, he was omnipresent throughout the whole thing. And, you know, people were so overjoyed to see him meet such a grisly end. But mm. watching it this way, I was like, oh, I feel like I barely know the guy. Um, yeah. he, they condensed a lot of Joffrey into a short space of time, I think.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got, I think if we were to watch it all, you, he gets demonstrably worse. And I think we've sort of missed that. Like, I think there's yeah. this feeling I had of him like just being a little shit, but he's not. He's actually quite a threat to quite a lot of people. Yeah, And I think right, the, yeah. the marriage to Marjorie, for example, that is something that, I think if we were watching all of it, we would see that that is a real problem for the Tyrells. You know, we know what Joffrey's capable of. We've missed the episode in season three where he kills Roz, the prostitute, with a crossbow. Yes. You know, exactly, they try they real, think...
1: Which is pretty sad, because she was it's great. It's awful.
3: But they think that Joffrey's sort of temperament is because he's not getting laid. So they give him uh, Roz to sort of to try and calm him down and he just Look, tortures her. And it's, it's, like, it was very like
1: controversial. A um, bit like when that woman that slept with David Beckham wanked off, the, wanked off a pig in the farm. <laughs> his,
3: his Rebecca Luz moment, that's Rebecca right. Rebecca Luz, yeah. that was it's, it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It's, yeah, he is a monster and I think we've maybe not quite seen that as much. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, you have the to tall kinda, men let's keep reminding and yourself. And it's the bit, it's, a bit the, it's the same with Ramsay a bit as well. I think you're right. I think Ramsay... I think Ewan Rion is a great actor. I think what he does with the character throughout the next three seasons, I just don't think it works. It's... Okay. He does a sort of, like... um It's a bit Jack Sparrow for me. Like, a little bit like, ooh, ooh, I'm going to just roll my eyes and he's a bit of a clown. And I think, like... I mean, he
1: was great. And ba- Battle of the Bastards was good. Um, yeah.
3: was a good episode for and him. And just think, like... But think even, even
1: in- then, I guess you're right. You know, there was the bit where he killed Rickon. Um, yeah where it was a bit like...
3: Hmm. Yeah, it's all a bit foppish and a bit like, ooh, ooh. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't think it works. And I think, like, I remember reading interviews with him around the time that he was getting... He's his a lovely increased... guy. Yeah, yeah. He's, he said, look, it's really important that he's not Joffrey. Like, mm. you can't just do Joffrey. But what I think is interesting is Joffrey kind of dies and Ramsay takes centre stage. There's this mm. passing of the torch... And Ramsey, like, my understanding is that he is, like... Joffrey's quite unpredictable and he's quite violent, but he doesn't yeah. really torture people. He chops people's heads off. Ramsey yeah. keeps you alive and, like, removes fingers, takes layers of your skin off. Yeah. It, he's, like, a sick freak. And I think, like, in the show, like the, the, this sort of period is all about, like... The war has kind of ruined, like, modern society for these people. Like, no one's behaving with any... Candor. Like, everyone is unhinged uh, and, and reckless and destructive. And, you know, in season three, which we didn't watch a lot of, Jamie sees, like, the Riverlands are just absolutely fucked. Like, everyone's just getting yeah. raped, torched, there's famine, there's poverty, there's disease. And I think, like, Ramsey being, like, the new villain is really, like, reflective of this new status quo, right? He's, like, yeah. an act- actual monster who hunts women. But I do think... In order for that to work on telly, I think he needs to be a little bit scarier. And I I think the way that he's doing it, which is a bit like Heath Ledger as the Joker, like it's just a little crazy and that that isn't really very easy to kind of follow.
1: If you have to show that you're unhinged on screen, it makes you less unhinged, doesn't it?
3: Yeah. I just don't think he talked... When he talks to Roos in this episode about Theon, and he's like, what have you done to him? And he's like, ooh, I removed a few bits and pieces. Yeah. It's just like... It's a little bit if- winged to the camera, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, we know that he's chopped his dick off, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. the... it's it's. I feel like... I think what I'm trying to say is he's t- telling a lot to the audience rather than to other characters. Like, yeah. remember? Like, he's kind of winking at them. Um... I think generally yeah. I find Ramsay quite annoying.
1: Who was the best villain then in, in in Game of Thrones? Who didn't do any of that? And who was just who was just outright grim?
3: Um I think maybe Craster. Well I think Tywin is probably the best
1: mm.
0: because
3: he made he everything I mean, I, I actually would say I would say Joffrey is is a really good character because he
1: has
3: what he has that Ramsay doesn't is that he has relationships with lots of people. Like Joffrey with Cersei is very yeah. different than Joffrey with Tywin, Joffrey with Tyrion, Sansa. That is it's what a makes bit. It was
1: more layered, wasn't it? Because you always yeah, saw Joffrey's yeah, is three dimensional. Whereas
3: yeah. Ramsay has like his father, Theon, and then like Sansa, but he's sort of the same to all of them, and so you yeah. don't really get any, any kind of like texture to it. I think, but I think Tywin is is the best villain as as yeah, in so much that. Show. He thinks he's not a villain, so he's kind of like, everything he does is being done for the right mm. reasons. But then yeah. I think you could maybe say, maybe Littlefinger. He's an amazing villain. Uh, yeah, amazing. He was, I was going
1: to say Littlefinger. I think he was great, um, although towards the latter seasons, yeah. also fell yeah. into moustache twiddling a little bit.
3: because Because his thing is always zigging while everyone else zags, and I think at yeah. some point on the show they're like, It's not going to make any sense, but Littlefinger's going to do the opposite of what you think he would do, because he has to, and you're like, okay, calm the fuck down. And maybe another one then on that point, Varys. Varys was always backing his own horse, and he did that with a lot of commitment, and I thought connor Thill did an amazing job. Mm. Kind of, he was always acting in his best interests, (laughs) and sometimes that aligned with other people.
1: I'll tell you, Connor. He, he shouted at me once. I'll tell you this. What? No. And and to him on that in it in a kind of okay way, but there was a glimmer of something going on there. He was cross about something I'd said on Thronecast about about the character about Varys, where I said something like, oh, "Varys doesn't really know what he wants." Oh. And he took and he actually pulled me up on it on the red carpet. I was interviewing him for Thronecast, and he pulled me up on it. It was just like because he's got a really good, really nice Scottish brogue. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to do the accent. But he was Is like, he Scottish? Uh, yeah, he's Scottish, yeah, yeah. Oh,
3: God, I thought he was Irish. <laughs>
1: big, big, luscious full head of hair as well.
3: Oh, yeah, I've um, seen that. And <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> it just wonderful. looks weird.
1: It looks like a wig. It looks <laughs> yeah. like he's wearing, you know what I mean? It looks like he's wearing a toupee, but it's not. It's his actual hair. So what um, did he say? And he just pulled me up and he was like, I saw what you said about, about, uh, about me. I was like, about you? And he was like, well, about Varys. That's I, like, <laughs> I was like, okay, what did I say? And he was just like, oh, you said that, said that Varys doesn't really know what side he's on or what he wants. You're damn wrong. I was like, okay,
3: <laughs> fine, all right.
1: Wow. You know, I mean, I mean he, in a, he was laughing while he said it, but still, to remember that.
3: Yeah. Well, the most interesting thing about um, the actor that plays Varys that I read was obviously he dies in he had, yeah, he's got a penis in real life. <laughs> he's not a, not a real eunuch just to get into character he castrated yes. himself just to see exactly. what that would be like no when he so he dies in like the second to last episode of Game of Thrones right that's right yeah like at the start like Daenerys tortures him for betraying mm-hmm. her and yeah. obviously he's there till almost the very end of Game of Thrones there was a story or like an interview with him in Entertainment Weekly when it came out and he was absolutely devastated yeah and furious, furious. there's and a video like yeah there's, there's now a video i'm not of a r- saying he's a- wrong <laughs> to say that like i i think your relationship to the character is your own and it's not yeah. our job to sort of like um he clearly uh, loved
1: varus very much but i think is-
3: it, yeah i think also just not he not getting to the end i think was something that he said in that interview that was incredibly hard to take and I yeah. think that's fascinating. I just think we see the performance, but we don't see the way they live in these roles and the way that it's yeah. a constant in their life for a decade. And I well, would I say think, if you get yeah. to the final season, well yeah. done. And that yeah. still felt like a something had been taken away from him, which I think is fascinating. Well, I think
1: there's a lot of things, isn't there? You know, from the very brief moments that I saw of behind the scenes and with the crew and stuff, they were a family. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you work you work for nine months of the year with... People in all sorts of horrific kind of like locations and night shoots and all the rest of it. You you, you grow close. There's no end of that. Yeah. So even just to like you probably missed out on like the rap part. You know, that being on yeah, set yeah, yeah. for the last scene, or you know, for that, for the, you know, for what was the last scene around? I uh, presumably the you know where the brand the builder was announced and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's brand the brand the storyteller rather. Yeah, yeah, um, and. You know, I guess even on a just purely on a personal level, you'd want to be there for for the tears and the party and the hugs and the presents, and you don't want to kind of feel as if. I guess he was a principal character, so you want to feel like part of the gang, right? Yeah, you know, I I would would have felt exactly the same.
3: And it was a bit of a throwaway
1: death as well, wasn't it?
3: Well, I think the last scene being a night shoot with CGI with one other person, I think I'd be like. Sorry, what do you mean you've only got, like, the skeleton staff on, on set today? Yeah, yeah, like, It's my where's last my, fucking day. I've been where's here my gold since... watch, yeah. Yeah. So it's very interesting anyway. Um, <coughs>
1: but there's a, there's a great there's a great video of the script, the script reading. Um, oh, I haven't seen that. No, I haven't that, seen that. Yeah, there's a video of it, I think, where he sees it. And, and he, I think it's, <clears> hmm, <throat> that's interesting, because I think it's the script reading for the last episode, and he's there, I think. Um, so they're obviously all there for the script reading for the whole series or the episodes because it's the scene if you look at the the bit where um Kit Harrington finds out that he kills Daenerys, it's a, it's right. quite a classic kind of like behind the scenes clip and you see like Amelia Clark kind of like mm, doing that, and Kit Harrington's like, "What the fuck and there's a, <laughs> great, there's a there's a really telling kind of like cutaway shot of Conlith, and he's just like he sat next to uh, Lena Headey and he just throws his script on the floor. He's just kind of like sits back, <gasps> proper, a little bit petulant. It's great. It's a, it's a great moment.
3: What I want to talk about on the podcast today is the Vanity Fair story that we were yes. talking about. Yes, so we
1: were just we were just getting ready to come on, and, and Chris said, "Oh, before." Before, uh, before we do this episode, read this article. And you sent me a so, link to a Vanity Fair article, which was like a little bit gossipy, but kind of like based in fact. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? I've, I've been steeped in Thrones kind of like gossip. Um, before we get on to it, did you know, or I think I knew, but I'd forgotten that Bronn and Cersei were never in a scene together?
3: Yeah, because didn't they used to date? Because they,
1: they dated. And uh, apparently ended so badly <laughs> that she refused to share yeah. a stage with. Them. And there's a moment I think in the scene where in season uh, seven, it's where, where they, they bring all, the White Walker or, or they, bring, yeah, they they bring they all the go White to the and, Dragon Pit. There's like a I think they kind of like had to film it where he had to walk off, didn't he? <laughs> they write
3: it basically every single character plus others decide to all go to the Dragon Pit, and Bronn is like, "I'm going to go to a pub."
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Just go. laughs> I'll sit outside
3: with a so bag of funny. crisps. Yeah. Um, so this story, this article is in Vanity Fair, and it's from 2018. And it's called Game of Thrones, the secret of George R.R. R. Martin's final script. And the sort of basis for this is that this episode is the fourth and final episode of Game of Thrones that George R.R. R. Martin wrote. He mm-hmm. used to write one per season. Uh, yeah. He did the uh, Reigns of Castamere, which we did last week. And he did... Blackwater, which we covered in our season two recap. He did yep. an episode of season one that we didn't recap called The Pointy End.
2: And oh, right, it's okay, the yeah.
3: last time he wrote one. The reason he gave was that actually going forward, he had to focus on Winds of Winter, the sixth book, which still hasn't come out. But this article, actually, the original script that he wrote for this episode is on display um, at the Writers Guild of America library in Los Angeles. Yeah. So you can like, read it. And this reporter uh, went and looked at it and compared it to the episode and just sort of noted that there's quite a lot in his original treatment for this episode that got cut or changed dramatically. And it's really interesting. We won't sort of break it down like line by line. But his first of all, his script was 20 pages too long. So they're normally about 50 and he did 70. And yeah. the detail no, no is one just, wants an art,
1: no one wants that do they when no you, the detail is the just off
3: the charts um, there are things that he says it's really important for example the scene where Stannis uh, Melisandra and Stannis's wife Salis burn yeah. the traitors very yeah. important to establish because Shireen will go on to be burnt alive by Melisandre yeah. it was very important to have that in there but he yeah. sort of even writes that you can see all of the traitor's souls ascending to heaven and they look really happy because they've been purged. Yeah. which is like but a, a lot of, of s-
1: the, yeah. A lot of the things that he put in, he just wasn't thinking about cost or time. Yeah. I think there was a, he yeah. wanted Reek to lose some fingers as well. Um, which was like all of a sudden just a fucking nightmare. Yeah.
3: Yeah. There's some, there's some concept art of Reek in the fifth book that it he looks like a hundred years old. Like he's, He has white hair, no teeth. It's like really, really gruesome. Um,
1: And of course, the most famous one is that Tyrion uh, was supposed to have had his nose cut off in the Battle of Blackwater.
3: Yeah, yeah. And a lot of characters in the books, they have like blue mohawks or they have like ringlets in their moustache. and Obviously, they're just... (laughs) The team on the show are like, no, we're not doing that. Um, And yeah, even just the visions that Bran sees, there was quite a lot that george rr R. martin wanted for mm. example like seeing aria turning into a faceless man having yeah. the wolves play a bit of a bigger part but we'll we'll link to that story because it's really fascinating to see what It is George envisioned being in there. And I think the changes were, some of them were like, we have to streamline this show. We're halfway through. But if we do eight seasons, we're about halfway through. And uh, there is a sort of sentiment in this story that suggests George wasn't really willing to continue to make their show when it was deviating quite far from what he was able to
1: do in the books. None of it's been confirmed or anything. But I think the interesting one, the, the, the bit for me that was interesting was at the beginning where George genuinely, and I don't know what happened in his life to, for, the, for it to change but even at this point in like the end of season three um, George was just like he said when when someone asked them about um, the, book, the, the, the TV show overtaking the books George was like I'm hopeful that I can not let them catch up with me and that was at the end of season three going into season mm-hmm. four which is just mm-hmm. wild considering we still haven't had the book <laughs> that he that, and we're in 2023 now I know. That we still haven't got that book that he th- was in the process of, like, f- getting on with back then, which was, like, nearly 15 years ago.
3: Yeah, well, um, I remember reading an article that said, George R. R. Martin doesn't think he'll have it done in 2014. And this was in 2013. And I was like, yeah. God, I'm going to have at least two more years. <laughs> yeah, and here we are. I
1: mean, I, I, I don't know whether... It'd be interesting to find out, wouldn't it, whether, whether it, this was a bit of a turning point for, for everything,
3: you know, I think you can see done. changes uh, for the worse being made.
1: It must be difficult for him. You know, you, you ha- yeah. you've got to let, let the baby go a little bit. You've got to let them fly the nest. But in the same respect, it's so tricky if a story hasn't been finished in your mind. There was that, you know, it references the, the infamous kind of meeting in the hotel where yeah, where George so kind of say. maps out and, and says, you know, what the ending is going to be, but doesn't really say how it's going to get there. would be interesting mm. to know how close they were to that in the end.
3: You know, yeah, yeah. Did, My thing I've always he, did he said. Did he say, well,
1: Varys is going to, yeah, Varys is going to get, gonna, that's going to happen to Varys. Uh, Bran's going to be on this. John's going to go there. Because actually, mm. if that's all it was, if that's all he told them, like the end results, it's quite boring. You know, that, they, were the bit, yeah. they were the bits that people complained about, you know? Yeah. Like just, just John going off to the forest, Brienne writing a book about, you know, Jamie and Cersei getting buried in rubble. Um, yeah. You know. I think
3: my feeling has always been, and we talked about this when we way back when, when we did the final season, when we did that for um, the podcast. Mm. Um, I think telling someone the end and not telling them how to get there is the worst way around. I think actually, like going, here are some things that happen in the middle, and draw your own conclusion. Like end it how you want yeah. is sort of makes more sense because <laughs> if you don't know how to get somewhere, you you just it, it just it is quite convoluted
1: well it's like buying it's like buying an Ikea it's like buying something for Ikea with no instructions you know what it's yeah. meant to look
3: like you've got, you've got all the bits
1: there you've got absolutely yeah. no idea how this is supposed to slot into that
3: correct yeah and you don't have any of the tools because they forgot yeah. to tell you about those <laughs> anyway so it's, um, really it's interesting it's a brilliant article it really it's just is. fascinating that you know he put so much in here that was taken out and there's things that we'll get to later in the season
1: hey guess what We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
3: Let's get onto to this episode specifically. Yeah. Uh, when, just before we recorded, you were saying you weren't... It wasn't one of your favourites. Well, no, I think I'm just... I think... <coughs> I remember enjoying it. I think
1: maybe because I've watched this episode more. Maybe it's because yeah. I'm now into my tenure of Thronecast, uh, throne where yeah. I had to watch episode, every episode, like three or four times anyway. And I remember having watched this a lot. I really enjoyed a lot of it. Maybe, it, maybe I'm just, maybe it's just, a, I'm just a victim of the rewatch thing where it just felt yeah. like, a, I always find it difficult jumping a seat, jumping into a new season and not starting at the beginning, not yeah. starting with the first episode. It's like not ending on a finale. It just yeah. kind of feels a bit disjointed. So maybe it's that, maybe it's that. And also maybe it's and because it, it's. it starts with, maybe it's because it starts, the way it's, it starts with the weird kind of Ramsey kind uh, of yeah. dog chase. And I'm pretty sure there's another Again, I think um, another Man- Man- Mandela effect kind of thing. I'm sure there's another episode or even a season that begins with um, a dog chase through the forest. I might be wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't I'm be sure. surprised. I mean, yeah. the, the
3: Ramsay stuff... It, this is where they start to... All of season three, he's just chopping bits off Theon, and this is where they start to try and do something with him. But I think, yeah, I've never been really a fan of what they do with this. This stuff where Ramsay goes to try and kill Jon Snow north of the wall is all made up for the show and I don't think it's very good particularly but um, you know one of the this actually is one of my favourite episodes of Game of Thrones cool it's not the most like there's not a lot of fighting there's not a lot of like but I think it's such a subtle episode and I love the I love the fact lots of, lots
1: of good little conversations
0: isn't
3: there yeah that's what I love about it and I think that's something that you know is probably a benefit of the show over the books right there's a lot of stuff here that is like made for tv and i think particularly uh, i think we'd say the same if we watched the pre- previous episode because i think it was very similar there's lots of scene setting and there's lots of characters interacting and i thought there was yeah. such an, a large amount of that even brienne meeting cersei brienne meeting joffrey yeah i didn't really remember that or i'd forgotten that and i just it's very brief but it's amazing it's really great and i loved Joffrey being like, oh, I like you because you killed Renly. And she's like, no, I didn't. It was it was a ghost. And he's like, oh, no, you yeah. killed him. That's great. Just yeah, yeah, all yeah. these things sort of firing um, that I loved. And I think also what I found when we did our season three episodes, we'd sort of get jumped into like, like eight storylines. And this has very few compared yeah. to the wedding takes the center stage. We have a little bit of time with Theon and Ramsay. We have a very brief bit of time with... Bran, and that's it
1: weirdly on this rewatch I realized how much I think brand the Bran three-eyed Raven plotline is I think my, probably my favorite in the in the series I think really? I love it yeah yeah weird I just I just love it because I'm a, I just really there's something about prophecies and mm. and fate and this is you know, and I uh, that i really enjoyed about that i was i was you know i know game of thrones is very political and about scheming and planning and war and but actually the bit that really appealed to me was was the whole brand thing because it was it just felt like it transcended all of that in the same yeah. way that I enjoyed the Night King because that transcended yeah. all of the nonsense as well. Yeah, yeah. It showed, it, showed, it made the, both of those things kind of make a mockery of, of kind of like what's going on in King's Landing. Or,
3: of the or infighting, or right. It's yeah. kind of like there it's is a higher power th- and a higher purpose.
1: Exactly. Maybe it's oh. maybe it's my, my higher power speaking.
3: Speaking me. of <laughs> which, we also obviously also checked in with Stannis Melisandre, which higher power. The, yeah. the, the thing... Yeah, I actually agree. I, I feel like there's not a lot of Bran in the show. And I believe, after, I think he's not in season five, is he? They sort of, they're like, we don't know what to do with him. So he's just going to stay in that cave for a year, right? Yeah. But I watched it and I thought even with, they did so li- there was very little of him in this episode, but they got a, a lot conveyed, which is that he spends a lot of time as his direwolf. And yeah. it's sort of like, because if you can't use your legs, of course you want to run around and like, have this heightened sense of smell and eat and all these kind of things, but Jojen and Mira are like, this is not good for your mental state. Yeah, um, it's there's a lot there. I think there's quite it's quite it's quite compelling. I think that he, um, what w- you mean you would do that, wouldn't you? But at the same time, you can get lost in your animal and you can sort of yeah, it's to a exist bit like anyway. it's
1: the parents telling someone to get off World of Warcraft. You're spending far too long on that game, isn't it? Brands in the metaverse, basically. Your Isles Go like. Square, exactly. Yeah, it's just in, it's just hanging um, out in Club Penguin with uh, with yeah
3: fucking Zuckerberg. Do you know what? I also like this episode. I actually really like the stuff with Stannis. Um, and yeah. I I thought it was really weird because first of all, I don't think he was in any of the season three episodes we talked about.
1: No, I don't, again, I don't think again, in- this is like Joffrey syndrome. Someone we. We know how
3: important he is, but but we just kind of,
1: like, just both seem to have sidesteped. I thought
3: um, this stuff where they're all having dinner uh, with his wife, Solis, and then Melisandre, and then, like, I thought, I wish we'd had that earlier, because I finally i am, like, oh, my God, there's so much going on with this family. Like, they're quite weird. Like, they seem to have not got much food in on Dragonstone. The meat's rancid. Yeah. she you know, he's like we're on an island. Go and get some fish. And she's like, oh, you hate fish. It's so like suburban like drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, she's true. obsessed with Melisandra. He's sort of sleeping with Melisandra. She doesn't seem to care. I just loved all of that, and I thought, God, yeah. there's a lot going on. Um, it's a real big grudging cuckold situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. And then you've got Shireen, the daughter, who yeah. is their only child. They've never been able to have a son. And the child they've got has got this sort of infection, this grayscale. Yeah. So yeah. Celise is already like, oh, she's, she's not very like, she's fond of her daughter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, there's just so much to it. I thought it was brilliant.
1: Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I, I, I put in here, I mean, it was our first first time we've met Shireen as well, wasn't it?
3: Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. But
1: I just, I, I, I wrote, I just still really feel really sorry for Stannis. You
3: know, yeah.
1: I spent a lot of Game of Thrones feeling sorry for him because... He is the one, he should, he's the one yeah. that we all know should be on the throne.
3: Yeah.
1: And also, he's just lost. He's like, he's, he has lost all his money on crypto. That's what he's yes. done. <laughs> he's signed up to Andrew Tate's website. He's yeah. stuck all his money into crypto. He's, he's fucking put all Shireen's kind of university money into an NFT of a fucking ape. Yeah. And, now he's realised that, it's until it's too late, he realises he's absolutely fucked it. Um, and and everyone about, knows
3: he's absolutely fucked it.
1: Yeah. And talk about, like, you know, Conleth moaning about his exit. We didn't even see Stannis get
3: killed. I know. He gets a short shrift. I really wanted him to... I think there's a point in season five, after he goes to the north, goes to the wall and is with Jon, I was like, he has got a good claim i think he can sort of rouse people and he's going to win the northerners over and yeah, yeah he doesn't um it's, it's, but, it's the most like apart from his mentalness with
1: with melisandre he's the most like ned
3: yeah he's very virtuous
1: knows what's right what's wrong and yeah it gets like you say it gets he gets a rough shot i think
3: unwilling to bend you know and if you if you put pressure on something and it doesn't bend it ends up snapping and it's sort of yeah. very similar to the starks
1: What we missed in uh, the opening scene of, of episode one was Tywin melting down... Um, what was Ned's sword called? Ice. Ice. No. Yeah, it was ice, wasn't it? Yeah. Melted it down into Oathkeeper and Widow's Whale. We see Widow's Whale being presented to Joffrey and Oathkeeper was given to Jaime. Uh, yeah, and, and then, then, then he gives it and to, then Brienne. Given to Brienne. Now, interesting, I, I was like, what the fuck happened to Widow's Whale? And this is a really weird... Oh. Kind of like it's really weird for Game of Thrones. This is because I, I went and like searched for it, like, I don't remember what happened to the sword, and it just gets lost in the Red Keep somewhere. It, nothing, it, it's what? never really mentioned again. Um, that's
3: weird, which is it's which like is like really rare. very
1: weird because it's such a rare, elaborate, probably va- extremely valuable sword.
3: Yeah, well, well, Tywin says there's only two in the entire city. Yeah,
1: ah, sidebar, poised. That was, in that Vanity Fair article, that was the most interesting moment for me, was that yeah. George R. R. Martin, in his mind, and whether this is something that pans out in the books or not, um, had Joffrey pinned as the person that gave the cat's paw dagger. Uh,
3: to the assassin.
1: Yeah, and, and started the whole thing off rather than,
3: Excuse me, than rather
1: than Littlefinger, and there was I a moment was really in this episode where Tyrion was spoke when 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 Tywin said, "Oh, there's only two uh, such and such Valyrian steels." Joffrey was supposed to say, "Oh, I've got some experience in Valyrian steel," and that was the moment yeah. where the penny was supposed to drop for for Tyrion, where he realizes that it was Joffrey that set the whole thing up. And then there yeah. was a, a conversation between them at the wedding table uh, where Tyrion lets him know,
3: and Joffrey goes to pieces, and
1: oh and, uh, yeah. That would have been... Which I think would have been great.
3: I think it would have been brilliant, yeah. Um, But I think the episode... The the wedding feast is a 20-minute kind of uninterrupted bit at the final third of the episode. And it really is, like... They work really hard to show how everyone is um, disappointed, pissed off, alienated by Joffrey just being an absolute, like...
1: It was like a Knives Out
3: It was. It's very murder mystery. And I thought... Um, what's interesting now we know who's behind it Mm. they're not shy about it there's actually a shot where the cup is in the foreground and Elena is in the background looking at it and it's it's, it really does I really respect them for not hiding it or not trying to do like um, uh, false um, what's the word I'm thinking of not red flags red Um, herrings red herrings
1: yeah (laughs) Well, there was even a, there was even a phrase by um, Elena. She said something like, "I think she may have said it to Cersei." There was a good conversation where where Laris and and Jamie have a chat, then Brienne and Cersei, and there's uh, mm. Elena. Maybe it's with Tywin or something like that. She says, "Oh, let's go and get a drink. let's go and get a glass of wine." She keeps referencing wine, and there's it, the, the 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 signs are all there.
3: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just. I like the way that they frame it that lots of people could have done something, could have been involved in it. Hmm. I like the way that Tyrion, I mean, it's really, he has a lot of reasons to want to poison his nephew. And there's there's real, I mean, he gets so humiliated. But then you can see why Sansa, because Sansa runs away Hmm. without even second guessing it. whether Marjorie's involved in it, I don't know. My 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 feeling is that she's actually not that her no. grandmother didn't involve her. Um,
1: well, I think but she's because Marjorie had her eye on the prize. Marjorie just wants to be queen. So yeah. for Elena to say, "By the way, I'm just about to kill him," she'd be like, "Hang on a minute, what does that mean for me?" That completely yeah. screws me over. Also,
3: Marjorie's—I mean—we talked about this in maybe two episodes ago. She's so good with Joffrey every time it's about to spill over. She's like, oh yeah. look, the pie is here. Come yeah, sit down. Yeah. No. There's oh one darling, thing. come she to goes, me,
1: come to me, come to I me. I miss yeah. you.
3: And he's like yeah. four feet away. I was like, God, mm. she's really good at yeah. doing that and sort of appealing to his like alpha male or like this sort of, you know, he thinks he's a bit of an alpha. Appealing to that. She m- was she was the scariest cast member i ever met. Really? Yeah. She just carries this air of,
1: do not talk to me.
3: <laughs> I'm sure she's really? lovely. But, but yeah, she's, yeah. She was brilliant in this, I thought. Because she she's sort of both able to look kind of um, charming and butter wouldn't melt, but also scheming. And I think even watching the show, I was never really sure which one was the act and which one was the facade. And I think she, yeah. she, she does that so well. Even, yeah, yeah. yeah, you watch this and you could see her orchestrating it. You watch this and you can also see her being completely nothing to do with it um and yeah i thought the the recreation of the war of the five kings with all the uh, small people costumes were great yeah the costumes Did you see the were dragon great. fire the guy that has the dragon fire sort of burst out of his chest it's like green ribbons it's so good it's really classic. um and i just loved the how vulgar it all was there was no mm. class to it joffrey literally yeah. cuts up a history book with a sword yeah because he you know just because he can little fact uh the band the band was Sigar Ross. Really?
1: Yeah.
0: The That's one that, amazing. The one,
1: the one that he throws the coins at and shoes yeah, away, that
3: yeah. was Sigar Siga Ross. Well, I had the captions on. I always do on so, a mor- in the morning, just in case there's something being said that I should sort of make note of. And yeah. I think the song they are performing is The Reigns of Castamere, which is normally, uh, you know, yeah. it is like we're about to, like, we just kill loads of people. But I thought, again, the, if Joffrey wanted that at his wedding...
1: Just to wind up Sansa. Just
3: to wind up, yeah. Because the lyrics, um, the the Rains, their family sigil was a red lion, and the Lannisters is gold. And the lyrics are about like a a cat of red, cat of gold. Each have their claws, and it's about like you know. So I thought, I thought that is so weird to have as a wedding song. Get a bit of Whitney on or something, or I don't know something a bit more romantic. Yeah, where's
1: the erection selection? Oberyn was great. Pedro Pascal was was great in this episode. I forgot how young he looked.
3: He and looks so much younger than he does in The Last of Us. Which I know, like, know it the wasn't point. But that even, long
1: ago, was it? No, it's like ten years ago. He's had he's had a long decade. But yeah, um, yeah I loved his kind of when he was talking to he was talking to Cersei wasn't he and he was yeah, and Tywin, really twisting yeah. the knife with her about she's no longer she's just the queen consort now and yeah, not, former no, not queen, queen regent <laughs> yeah oh, it's, it's great and he, he also he, they
3: he, have a really fascinating um in dawn you know they're all just fucking each other it's like yeah. the you know the throuple uh model of uh healthy relationships and so there's, they've all got bastards david hay
1: and una from the saturdays
3: yeah. Oh my God, that is story is absolutely wild. It's wild. <laughs> I just couldn't, because I, they're just so like, yeah, yeah. This is it. Like they're not, they're not sort of confirming they're in a through but they're also like, what do you think it looks like? You know, I think it's yeah. so funny. It's um, weird. Yeah. And I thought it was just yeah. There's lots of digs to the Lannisters because clearly Oberyn thinks that Joffrey and all of the kids are born of incest and are technically bastards, and he's saying. You know, bastards are born from passion, aren't they? Like, I think we yeah. all know what... Um, obviously, Dawn does get massacred in a literal and figurative sense in season five. Uh, yeah. So we'll save most of our chat for that. But Oberyn yeah. is a great character. And I, I think yeah. what I love about this episode and what I think I would love to have seen in the previous episode is there's just this sense of, like, the status quo getting mixed up a little bit. Like, lots of new people in town. Yeah, Like, obviously, Jamie's back in King's Landing, which is huge. And there was With even a haircut. scene... Yeah, with the Jamie haircut. Lovely new haircut, had yeah. a bit of a shave, um, and he's got his golden hand. And I loved even just him and Tyrion just having a bit of time together because they haven't. I mean, have Jamie and Tyrion been together since the pilot? Probably not. Probably not. No. And I, I think, you know, I've watched this season a few times now, and it, I love that in the second episode they just go, We're going to kill the big villain. Like, we're going to kill him off. Like, yeah. that's really bold. You could see a version where they save this for later in the season. Yeah, but I think if I would say if it's something I miss, I would just love a few more episodes in this kind of Kings Landing's change. There's lots of new people in. There's a few people not there. I yeah. would just love a bit more of like the impact from the Red Wedding. I'd love to see a bit more of that. It does sort of doesn't well, I stop.
1: It, I guess it leans into what they can, what David and Daniel consider to be important milestones. In yes. In the thing, you know, they always said. I think it's mentioned in that Vanity Fair article again that the Red Wedding was something they were building towards from the pilot. That was all, you know. That was that was the huge, like the the end of the first chapter for them. So then you have to look at this and you go, well, is Joffrey dying? It's not really. It's not really a huge plot point in terms of the ramifications. You know, Tyrion's trial by combat. You know, there are. It does have a, 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 a snowball effect, but when you look at actually what they they look towards for episode 9 um, which was john at the you know john coming back mm. and 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 mm. the night's watch and Egret killing the villain isn't really a shock it's a crowd pleaser um yeah. yeah. whereas actually something something like the hard home or battle of the bastards or 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 um, watches on the wall has a bit more of an emotional impact and a bit more of a <clears throat> holy shit factor,
3: yeah. Rather yeah.
1: than like yes, which is I, Does, I just remember everyone just cheering at bit Everyone's so overjoyed at his death. And yeah. what a what a great <clears throat> death scene! What a, it was! It was a great death. It was proper. So... It was overlong. It was brilliantly kind of like gory and gruesome. And yeah,
3: yeah.
1: how much of that was CGI was amazing actually. Like all it's of this all, all of the spit and the, the, the stuff spilling out of his nose. He, he his had eyes. like makeup on. Yeah, it was the eyes, it was so good.
3: He so, sort of so looks good. like he's sort of like clotting his entire body. Like it's so like horrible. Um, well, I think
1: that's what the that's what it was said to be, wasn't it? It was like um, it was almost like rattlesnake.
3: Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Poison where you just turned your literally just turned your
3: blood to jelly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Conge- you can sort of congeal, don't you? Basically, yeah. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, but I think what is really clever is even when I knew it was coming, he eats a bit of that pie and you can hear him kind of, <coughs> oh, I'll wash it down. And so when he's coughing, you're like, oh, I think it's just that really dry food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh no, it's, yeah, Something. it's yeah, really, happened, really yeah. well done. And I think yeah. an amazing death, amazing sequence.
1: Knowing what we know, I was watching it going, it
3: was a risky...
1: There was, it was a risky plant of like a, a poisoned glass of wine uh, because he kind of reached over. There was a moment where it was like got Tyrion to pour the wine and collect mm. this from there. And, and then all of a sudden just happened to grab one that was vaguely near a, a, a Lennar. It was, it was very risky, very risky. Poison. Marjorie Could actually passed it
3: to him. Marjorie actually passed it to him. That's Which right. I think is interesting, which does add a bit of credibility to her yeah. being aware of it in some way. But I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's I hard have to say... say
1: the the, the the bits that didn't work for me was it didn't really fit or the way that there was it was done to, to frame Tyrion. Yeah because because he he's a clever guy. Everyone knows how clever he drinks wine and he knows things. That is Tyrion Lannister. And yet would Tyrion be like caught holding the glass like
3: Yeah I thought that was I thought that's a bit
1: that was a bit naff. You know, And then the the other bit that didn't work, and it's separate to the to the wedding, was the whole Shea scene, I thought, was just shit. Mm. It just really didn't work. It didn't fit the characters. It was badly written. It felt I agree. Yeah. It felt like it's some kind of weird rom-com, Cyrano um, yeah. de Bergerac-style kind of like relationship. It just didn't work, because Tyrion would just say, y- you're in mortal danger. I fucking love you. Get on yeah. the
3: boat, and I'll come and find you.
1: That's all that had what- to happen.
3: Why wouldn't he say to you, my dad is going to kill you? Yeah. like,
1: well, but, and, and as we know, it's because it led into um, the betrayal of what really caused Tyrion to kill Tywin yeah. was the fact that he discovered that, that, that Tywin yeah. was shagging so I think, shy, shy. I yeah. think
3: in order for her to testify against him at the trial, they they felt the need to have him very forcibly reject her. Yeah, But I don't think it made a lot of sense. And I hated how he kept saying, I won't have children with you because you're a whore. I won't marry yeah. you because you're a whore. I was like, you actually are withholding the fact that your dad's going to kill her. And actually, yeah. I think what would have been really good is if he had told her. Because, and she was still so livid about it, yeah. Yeah, because also, presumably at this point, is she sleeping Shucking with Tywin, Tywin at this point? Yeah. Because actually, if he says, my father's going to kill you, she won't believe that if she's still sleeping you know and I think that would have been quite a good way to sort of offset what she's actually experiencing which is she's probably quite safe and he Mm. she can't tell him that
0: but yeah it was a really
3: badly written scene I really didn't like that at all Um, I think also yeah I think the the way that the show it does sort of imply that Tyrion is involved but we know that there's no way that's true I think also what I'd love to get into more when we do further episodes in this storyline is just like you know the and the Tywin and Cersei are obviously not trying to get Tyrion killed. Like, that does not benefit them either. Like, he no. is still a powerful part of the family. I think Tywin says to him, like, the plan was for you to get sent to the Wall. But mm. again, like, that seems so extreme. Like, why don't you just... I don't quite understand. Just fuck him off to some random house somewhere just give him a different him- castle and you still need to you, you he is still the whole reason they marry him to sansa is because they're like we need to use our name to marry him to other families so the idea mm. that you would send him away yeah it's just quite sense. confusing to me so i think yeah. again they, they have to sort of have this feeling in this season of like oh my god Tyrion! like everyone's trying to get him but i still don't quite believe that and i'm i can't quite remember how it how they justify it. Or I know Cersei hates him, but like she mustn't think he's actually poisoned Joffrey.
1: The Elena thing was... was uh, She actually said to... I think she was talking about the Red Wedding. She was saying it to Sansa or to someone. Who she just said, killing a man at a wedding, what monster would do such a thing? Which is like... Really a, good. Such a great, great moment. Really good. Okay, well, there we go. That is it. Hopefully that... Wet your appetite
3: i have an update on where Ooh. is sophie ellis baxter
1: oh okay so remind the listeners what this is about yeah
3: last week we talked about the fact that sophie ellis baxter is in uh the long night episode of season eight
1: yes right? yeah, yeah yeah
3: yeah and i said i'm gonna just do some digging and i'm gonna try and find out if she was actually in the episode so uh someone on twitter uh, david constable um, hi, David. Hi, David, if you're listening. Uh, he sent me a picture of Sophie ellis Bexter in her, like, armour and everything. Oh, wow. So it's true. Saying, yeah. He's like, I found... It. This is this picture of her, like, you know, behind the scenes. So that's great. Amazing. Confirmation, cool. she did film it. Now... Great. One extra level is, is she actually in the episode? Someone said to me, someone whose name I can't remember, apologies, uh, said that her scenes were not in the final edit. So I'm in the process of verifying oh this God. at the moment, uh, which is to say I have reached out to her representatives <laughs> and have asked them oh, to have you? confirm. Yeah. Like a friend of oh, mine amazing. is her, her day-to-day manager. I wonder if they got given, like, footage of it. because I know, because you'd want it, wouldn't you'd you? You'd feel a you bit of a twang. when
1: you get Sophie ellis Baxter. To rock up, go through costume and wardrobe and makeup, do a bit of acting, and then go. Sorry, love, we've canned it. It, Yeah, maybe you'd expect them to at least get like a bit of a, you know, maybe maybe David and Daniel burnt off a DVD for her.
3: Yeah. You would you want can't. that. It's not enough to get the BTS. You want the actual footage. No, um, you need So footage. tune in next week. We'll hopefully have an update on where is Sophie ellis really? Exciting, <laughs> Exciting.
1: Uh, Exciting. Christina Murray Beauty repl- said left a comment on YouTube. Um, said we do see Game of Thrones go to Castle Rock. Uh, this was in... Oh, did, we, did we mention that we never saw casting in Roberts? the final? Yeah,
3: I said I don't think we ever go. This Grey is Worm the final... takes the
1: army there, but almost everyone had fled, and then
3: he looks yeah. out to see all his ships burning. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the same episode where Jamie takes over Highgarden. and. Oh,
1: okay, and yeah. yeah. Thanks, Good Christina. Good catch, Christina. Um, someone uh, lots of positive response to our Last of Us uh, bonus episode. Thanks very much, gang. Um, someone asked if uh, episode if we're going to put that up on YouTube. We're not. Because mainly because the episode, with, because the interview with Craig wasn't videoed. Mm-hmm. So it would be kind of weird. That, weird. What uh, did I, hang on a second. I Maybe thought you i put just... it up. Hmm. Hang hmm. on a minute. Let me just.
3: Give the people what they want. I didn't put I it
1: up. I do have it. I think I will put it up. But there's no, there's no pictures for Craig, Craig's interview. So it would look a
3: bit weird. But I'll
1: um, see what I can, I'll see what I can
3: do. Um. So I've not seen episode two of The Last of Us yet. I'm actually going to watch it today. I'm going to watch episode two, two or three. episode three. I haven't seen two or three yet because oh. last week was a. I was just a bit busy with some stuff.
1: Oh my god! Let me, you're telling me I, I still can't talk to you about episode three. Oh my goodness! No, but
3: episode three is on in the UK tonight, so we should be talking about it next week anyway.
1: Yes, we really should. We really. So should. I'll be
3: I'll be here uh, next Good. week. A little, a bit, a bit of last cast. Good. Um, I have heard so many good things about episode three. I am so oh, excited. It's just, um,
1: I can't, I, I, it's, it's, oh, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. The so other
3: thing, can I do a little bit of, uh, a little bit self-promo? Please do. My interview with Rupert Grint is out today for GQ. So a couple of weeks ago, I said that I had to interview an actor on my birthday.
1: Oh, you did? Yes.
3: And it was Rupert Grint and it's out on GQ's website now. Amazing. Um, he is in the new M Night Shyamalan film, Knock at the Cabin.
1: What was it like speaking to a wizard on your birthday? Wow, what a
3: treat! Uh, it was great. It was really good. You know, was he was I, he quite
1: open about talking about Potter, or did, were you very, told how many were you told how many questions you could ask about Harry Potter?
3: No, no hand holding. I met him in a pub, and I spent about three hours with him.
1: I hate meeting extremely famous people in public for work because it just becomes a thing. Yeah.
3: Well, we went for we went for lunch on the third of January during a rail strike, so the pub was very empty. Because <laughs> we also got there at like so. Actually, I will preface this: we went and did something together. You always do like an activity usually.
1: Oh, axe throwing, pottery. Yeah, that sort <laughs> of thing. Pottery.
3: <laughs> yeah. I wish we'd done pottery. Now the activity we did um, didn't end up going in the piece for various reasons. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing salacious, but we did like a sort of meditation thing, and I just realised that sitting in silence for half an hour is not conducive to. You did
1: so. You did this. Did you actually go through with it? With with it? Yeah. Well,
3: it was. We actually went for a gong bath, which is where someone hits gongs while you close your eyes and breathe. And then I realised we haven't spoken for like forty minutes because we've been in (laughs) silence. I thought this isn't going to work. So it just anyway. So we met there at this guy's house and then we went to this pub and we went for a drink and some food at like 12 o'clock so it was yeah. dead in the pub um, but there were people there that you know they just stare like they're just like just like holy shit it's Ron Weasley yeah. but he's he's so interesting and he's so he loves those films and he loves that part of his life he's not that's someone good. that's like embarrassed or trying to move past it he's good. sort of spoke a lot about like it's always going to be part of my life and I love it Good. And he he just said, you know, he's been getting clocked in public for like 21 years, 22 years. He's like, this is normal. Um, but I found it was really interesting. He's doing all these horror projects at the moment. He did a Guillermo del Toro anthology thing on Netflix. Oh, he's in this shit. I need to watch M. Night that, Shyamalan yeah. film that's out on Friday. And he's in Servant, which is on Apple TV+. Yeah. Plus.
1: Uh, so he's in a
3: really weird bit of his career, which I think is good. He sort of didn't know what he wanted to do, and he's now doing that. But very frank about what it's like being that famous. He sounds yeah, like he's got a really yeah. wonderful life. Like he he's, does beekeeping. He makes ceramics. He draws. I do ke- Chris, I'm do in you? the middle of
1: a beekeeping course. I'm, on, I'm on five weeks into a course to become a, an official beekeeper.
3: Are you really? Yeah, Are you going to have I'm, loads of hives yeah. and stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah. And put hives Is that what you know, I get I on
1: week four, that tattoo? I, I live, <laughs> yeah. I live in a t- I live, Those who don't know, I live in a Teletubby house. Um, and I'm putting hi- hives on the roof.
3: Wow, yeah. that oh. is very cool. Well, he's been doing Robin. it. Yeah, he's been doing it for a minute, and he loves very it. Cool. But he's quite scared. Bees are quite scary. Nah, um, you just did you know when they sting the, you, they
2: yeah. don't know
3: that it's going to kill them when they pull their, their stinger out. But it's sort of connected to their spine, and it sort of rips a bit of yeah. their spine out.
1: You think that that um, by now they can tell, they can communicate so well. Bees can like the way that they tell you they tell each other where the food is and the waggle dance that they do and stuff like you'd think they'd have worked out a way it's like shit i just saw john sting that bloke and he died don't sting them
3: yeah his spine's missing (laughs) yeah anyway but the other thing is i heard not through any like official channels but there's strong chatter about warner brothers doing a tv adaptation of harry potter seven seasons one season per book and they would recast everyone. So we talked about that a lot in the interview where he said that might be the thing that helps him finally move on is someone else being wrong. Very interesting. Anyway, thank you for letting me plug that.
1: Next week we will be talking about season four. We're already done to episode two, already into episode eight of season four. We're missing feels- out on the whole middle of season, aren't we? Which feels crazy, but you guys are the boss. You guys are the boss. Wow. So it's uh it's the mountain oh and the God. viper next week, which uh I mean, it doesn't get any fucking better than that.
3: It really doesn't. It's going to be amazing. It's
1: going to be great. Until then, Dracaris Dracarys. if you'd like to get involved in the podcast just head over to twitter at dragoncast underscore pod or email dragoncast at and leave us your easter eggs predictions and thoughts on the show you can also watch this episode over on our youtube channel just search for dragoncast jamie east any support whether it's a follow a share a mention to your friend on the bus or a tattoo on your backside is very much appreciated dragoncast is hosted by me jamie east along with chris mandel and is a daft doris production